Welcome to For Your Amusement, a theme park podcast that aims to exhaustively evaluate the world's most popular theme park attractions to determine if they are world class. I'm Ryan Bergara. And I'm Byron Marin. And for this episode's featured attraction, we kick back on a floating piece of sheet metal to discuss Waterworld, a live sea war spectacular at Universal Studios Hollywood, as well as Universal Studios Japan and Singapore. You do have quite an affinity for this particular show. The show. The not, show. Not, yeah, not yeah, the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not There's... the film. In fact, I have a little Deacon action figure here that my uh, my pal Shane Madey got me when he was out and about. He saw it at a shop, immediately thought of me, just because my affinity for this show is so well known, which for you uh, folks that are listening, you're, you're not treated to the beautiful sight of my Deacon action figure, nor are you treated to the sight of me in full cosplay as an atoller. Uh, I got the whole shebang on. I got the gloves on. I'm going to go home like this. It's going to be great. Without further ado, before I start waxing poetic about this, why don't we get into some history? All right, so the conception of this show is actually rather similar to another attraction we've discussed at length, that being Jurassic, Jurassic World, World. Yeah. Uh, in which the attraction was being developed prior to the release of the actual film. They greenlit a stunt show to take over the Miami Vice stunt show at Universal Studios Hollywood, and they started development on this a year before the film was released, but unlike Jurassic Park, Waterworld essentially bombed. It was one of the most famous box office bombs of all time. It had a ballooned budget that went way over. It was the highest of its time, I think at 175 million. Oh my God. Easily over 200 million after you count, you know, marketing costs. So by the time theaters took their cut of the film, that's a big loss. And I think it's a, a loss that some estimate to be around 100 million dollars that is bananas that's a <laughs> that's pretty insane especially because they were like we're so sure this thing's gonna be a hit we're gonna make a an action themed stunt show off of it because people love water worlds they get to hang out with all their pals they get to hang out with the deacon the mariner and then uh most audiences walked into this show and were like who are these guys because <laughs> no one went to go see the yeah. movie Have you seen the movie water world no Luckily for Universal, this stunt show opens to rave reviews. They decide to green light an opening with Universal Japan, followed by Singapore. And ultimately, they create an entire Beijing water world area. Basically Wait, I didn't like, know that. Basically like its own land. Good for water world. I love a comeback story. They had us in the first half, not going to lie. To this day, water world is chugging along, going strong at all four international locations. Who would have thought that one of the greatest box office bombs of all time would spawn four very successful theme park properties? It's almost sad to even talk about it in the same sentence as the movie, just because the movie is uh, such a blight uh, on on uh, everyone's minds. Have, fact, you see, have you seen the film? Nobody's seen the Wizard of Waterworld. I've seen the film. It has some fine moments. There's some moments that are actually kind of metal. There's this one moment where the Mariner is like, let me take you down to see what the world once looked like. And he takes uh, Helen down to see New York underwater. And you're like, damn, dude, that used to be New York. I actually read the oral history of the film. What a disaster that was. There was one story of a guy who was one of the lead stuntmen who went on a jet ski and he was not staying, I guess, at the hotel or whatever property the rest of the cast and the crew were staying at. He was staying at some other location that he would ride a jet ski to and from. And one day he went missing. 
<laughs> he got lost at sea and they eventually found him. But that's just an example of the many things that went wrong with this film. Very much like any movie shot on water, and, like Jaws. And perhaps an example of the many fun facts that you're going to deliver us for Waterworld in this episode. That's perhaps right. a boatload. Oh, there you go. He's, he's pouring it on right now. So I hope yeah. you I hope you brought your sea legs because, uh, like I mentioned, you do have quite an affinity for this show, and I'm looking forward to hearing about it because, as a matter of fact, you reintroduced this show to me. That's correct. Uh, a few years ago, I Forced was never it upon you is even probably I a better was, way to say that. I was never the biggest fan. We'll we'll move we'll we'll get to that during first impressions. Yeah. But uh, what do you say? Uh, you hit us with some fun facts. Oh man, you really, I really did make you see the light. And and buckle up, folks. This is probably going to be the most robust fun fact section we've had on this show thus far. I know we're early into the uh, lifespan of this show which I hope goes on forever. Uh, but if not, I will have this moment, very Casablanca, we'll always have the Waterworld podcast uh, listeners. And boy, is it a lot. I mean, we got pages here. So strap in, you're driving to work, take a sip of that coffee, let's get into it. First fun fact, this comes straight from the Universal Studios Hollywood website. There are approximately 168,500 pyrotechnic effects fired per year at Waterworld. That's 63 per show, including giant fireballs rising 50 feet in the air. Just another testament that this show kicks major ass. And it's also wildly ironic. That's true. It is a water-themed show that uh, is focusing on climate change, and I can't imagine that the the gaseous fireballs that they're releasing are helping the climate in any way. <laughs> but that's besides the point. The show cost $15 million. Uh, that was just to get started with. They incurred an extra $1 million in additional set costs for what amounted to be a 16-minute show of pure action bliss. The jet skis in the show are custom made with parts and motors modified to deal with the heavy use throughout the year. There's also tires that line the pool for safety bumpers in case people miss their mark. Uh, the Mariner entrance, you know, when he comes from under the uh, the atoll gates. That'll be the Mariner. When he pops his head up, shoot it! Shoot it! Uh, that is accomplished by him starting from the top of a slide that places him nearly eight feet under the water and propels him upward. Pretty scary. Can you imagine being eight feet underwater on a jet ski? What? That's insane. I feel like so much can go wrong. I mean, I feel like so much could go wrong, but we're not experienced. We're not the Mariner. We don't have gills. We're not mutants. The jet skier and the water skier are propelled off a 40-foot hydraulic catapult that throws them 30 feet through the air, going from zero to 20 miles per hour in a little over one second. That's some serious stuff. How much do you think Universal would charge people to get like a like stunt behind the scenes experience? I don't know. Whatever the price is, I'd pay it. If I got to watch the show from backstage, I'd pay 25 extra dollars at least to do that. Would you not? Oh, that'd be totally fair. That'd be fucking Absolutely, sick. Absolutely, yeah. The seaplane that is launched above the wall weighs 2,200 pounds and is thrown from a 30-foot hydraulic launcher, crashing through a breakaway wall and stopping just 30 feet from the audience. <laughs> It's a completely free-flying plane. There's no wires or anything attached to it. So they do have these like wind sensors in the arena that uh, if the wind is not right or if there's a possibility for a missed projection, then the computer will shut it down and they won't launch the plane, which I've seen that happen. The plane will not launch some shows. I've, ha I've had that experience before. And it's a real bummer when it does because that thing is such a showstopper. It's a bummer, but I understand it. No, I, I would do... rather that than the plane launch into my lap. 
because <laughs> it's or, close or to have you know wires dangling from it, it, it or you, just have it flying into like parts of the set i always wonder like how scary it must be for the actors when this thing comes flying because it's monstrous like i can't believe they do this in a show and get away with it now moving into some just more background not so much like facts about the stunts in the show which are spectacular there's a super fan named jennifer acuna who told the sf gate in january 2023 that since 2017 she has seen this show an average of seven times a week or you know once a day assuming she doesn't double dip which i'm assuming that she does quote she says i love the show because it showcases what universal studios hollywood is truly about movie magic end quote <laughs> Ain't that right, Jennifer? I love to hear it. I haven't and, seen it that many times, but I respect it and I salute you. You know what? There's a lot of truth to that statement because where at a Disney park can you get anything like Waterworld? You it, can't it, get this at any park. This is the greatest stunt show of all time. And I mean that with every fiber of my being. And if you don't agree with me, you have to come see me and these hands. However, she is also part of a larger group that just goes to do this. I don't know, maybe they don't see it as frequently as she does, but they do it often. And that's just a testament to how amazing this show is and the longevity it has. This show came out in 1995. That's October insane. October of 1995. That's almost 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's all. It's almost coming on, uh, it's coming up on its 28th birthday. And this stadium has bleachers that seat 2,500 people. And those bad boys are full. Every single showing of the multiple showings that they have every day. This leads to the fact that perhaps tens of millions of people have seen this show. And then when you add in the other shows in Japan, Singapore, and I guess Beijing, an audience of hundreds of millions, not just tens of millions. So there are many of us, numerous in fact, hundreds of millions of waterheads out there. And I salute every single one of you. This show was the 2017 winner of the Thea Classic Award. That's from the Themed Entertainment Association, which honors one achievement each year that has stood the test of time. And uh, other winners of this prestigious award include the Main Street Electrical Parade in 2023, It's a Small World in 2015, the Universal Studio Tour in 2002, the Haunted Mansion in 1999, among many others. This attraction also received a Thea Award for Outstanding Achievement in 1996. The Thea Awards, which honestly I did not know too much about, and maybe that's just showing my naivete, they're kind of like the Oscars of theme parks. I had no idea that this was a thing. I need to go to them. I'd love it. I'd come dressed just like I am right now with a sign that says Waterworld for everything. Yeah, we got to look up those dates. Uh, Greg Dolph, the opening day deacon, that's the guy who came out in, in 1995 as the deacon, is still doing the show as the deacon as of January 2023. Obviously, it's not every show, but he still does the role. And he also simultaneously directs the show at Universal Studios Beijing. And his son is now a part of the Hollywood cast. It's a family affair, Byron. Do you think they sit at the dinner table wearing eye patches? And they, <laughs> <laughs> they talk Waterworld. They don't break character. Nah, dude. That's called method acting, baby. Dolph said this about the longevity. Uh, to the SF gate, he said, quote, there's a terrific story that could be understood quickly and it transcends any language barriers. This makes the show universally appealing. Plus, it's filled with nonstop action and breathtaking live stunts performed within feet of the audience. This type of show is simply unlike anything most audiences have ever seen before. It's unique, special and unforgettable. That came off the cuff. Can you imagine just saying something as beautiful and poetic as that off the cuff? He's only had, what, 28 years to, uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to, to absorb the copy and the talking points. He seems like a waterman through and through. 
This guy's my hero, to be honest, and I hope he knows it. Uh, the Deacon Firefall, by the way, that firefall is 50 feet high. Damn. And you couple that with the fact that, you know, they're on fucking fire. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Peter Ratter, he's the screenwriter for the actual film Waterworld. Here's a quote from him about the show. Quote, I think the show's a good time. It basically has the rooting stakes. Everyone really loves it, especially when that plane comes over the atoll. That finale is terrific. I've been many times. I've brought my family. I love it. End quote. He, of course he loves it. He's the, the show has saved his legacy. <laughs> if I made like a, a, a cinematic turd like Waterworld and then a show came along that was beautiful and everyone loved the show and simultaneously forgot about the film, I would love the show too. Ratter, by the way, also said the movie was conceived of as basically a ripoff of Mad Max. <laughs> and furthermore, that there was at least five writers who did major work on the original script and a grand total of 36 writers in general with 20 different drafts of the shooting script. However, the setting and the characters from that first draft are what ended up making it into the Waterworld show at Universal Studios Hollywood. There's a purity to that first draft the original spirit of maybe what he was trying to do captured in the show makes more sense why he loves the show. Steve Burkett of Burkett Engineering was responsible for a lot of the technical aspects of the show. It's also where Steve met his wife, Wendy. He met Wendy while they were troubleshooting the seaplane. <laughs> <laughs> That's so romantic. <laughs> Isn't that great? This guy, by the way, is a baller. He's a, he's a, a theme park legend, Steve Burkett. He also helped design the ride control system. Get this list. For the now-defunct Maelstrom at Epcot, the show system for Indiana Jones stunt show in Hollywood Studios, Jaws the Ride, Earthquake, the big one, Backdraft, and E.T. Adventure, a legend. Quite a resume. That's quite the resume. And of course, Waterworld. Nat Geo did a story in 2013 that projected that there would still be plenty of land left if all the ice caps melted. I just think that's really funny that there's like the shows and the film's main selling point. Like if the ice caps have melted, water now covers the earth. And then Nat Geo did a study and they're like, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> uh, there's a hot tub backstage for the cast to warm up before and after the show. That's my last fun fact. And I thought it was the most fun because I love a hot tub and I love water world. You do love your tubby time. I do love tub time. I Some have even referred to me as the mayor of tub town. Anyways, that does it for fun facts. But before we get into the current reputation of this ride, let's hear a word from our sponsors who have obviously picked a very great episode. Did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? It can lead to acne, allergies, and stuffy noses. And it's just gross. I don't know about you, but I prefer getting my germs at the theme park. After a long, sweaty day at the park, you want to get home, shower, and get in your nice, clean bed. Miracle Made makes that easy. Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding such as sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. Using silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get a better sleep every night. And these sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice if not nicer than sheets used by some five-star hotels. Also gonna let you in on a little hack here since the holidays are coming up. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends, or family. Who doesn't want a better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets? 
And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one, just in time for the holidays. Miracle sheets are designed with your skin in mind. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria could clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash watcher to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. And if you use our promo watcher at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to and use the code to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off to treat yourself, a friend, or loved one this holiday season. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash watcher. Now let's get back to the show. Wow, thank you. Congratulations to you sponsors. Uh, let's get into the current reputation of this show, this attraction. How popular is this show today? What are the average wait times, I suppose, if that's even applicable? Where does it fit within the current theme park landscape? And how do people generally feel about this show, other than me, of course, which we're quite aware of. Now, unlike other attractions that we have covered on this show, yes. um, we don't necessarily have wait times uh, recorded No. to... Uh, show whether or not this is a popular attraction. However, I mean, 28 years running, it's in four different locations. And uh, I will say that outdoor pen, it's outside the show and they kind of just herd people into there so that they could gather them so that they could walk them into the, to the arena so that they could sit down. And that thing is always packed before the show, at least 20 to 30 minutes before the show, which is substantial. Definitely. For a theme park show, for people to gather 30 minutes before it's going, that's big, especially one that takes place during the day. We even went to an 8 p.m. showtime recently. Rips at nighttime. Still a packed house. That 8 p.m. show, stark contrast from my first experience watching Waterworld, the show, which might actually be a decent segue into first impressions. What was your first experience like? I just remember being absolutely obsessed with this show. I had never seen anything like it. There had been other stunt shows, you know, like Wild West shows, like Knott's had one, Universal even had one, but they were never to the caliber of this. Th this was professional grade stuntmen pulling off very death-defying stunts, like falling from large heights. And as a kid, you only see that kind of stuff in like an action film, like a blockbuster. And to see it live in person was truly impressive to the point where I would mimic it. My brother and I, my dad had a blow up pool in our backyard, uh, an above ground pool that you know, absolutely massacred our grass. But you know, uh, we would be in that pool and we'd be acting out water world. We would do the thing where like, there's a part early in the show where there's a seaplane that flies over and shoots at Helen when she's in this tower and it goes, and you see all the bullet holes hit the water. My brother and I would slap the water with our hands to make the bullet the bullet holes in the water. And uh, we did that also, by the way, with Fantasmic. We, were, we would pretend we were the Sorcerer Mickey. We were really cool kids. Yeah, I was obsessed with this show. I, I That's really the only thing I have from my first memory of it was I could not believe that something like this existed. What was your first impression? My first impression was... Uh... Not a positive one, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> I actually didn't experience this show 
until I was 19 years old. It was the middle of July. I was visiting. This was before I was a pass holder. Brutal. The crowds were very heavy. It was probably like a hundred degrees. That makes sense. And by, you know, by the middle of the afternoon with all those lines and waiting out in the sun, I wasn't a big universal nerd at the time. So we didn't, you know, take the precautions and get there early so we could get a good seat. So we kind of had crap seats, super hot middle of the day. Um, I just wasn't in the correct state of mind. Luckily for myself, you reintroduced this attraction and your love and enthusiasm for wanting to go see this show. You're like, we got to see Waterworld. Someone called an obsession. Uh, I was open to giving it another chance. And boy, am I glad I did. Uh, it, it continues to grow on me, which we'll, I'm sure we'll cover later. Anyways, let's move on to uh, good and bad. What are the good and bad things about this attraction? Look, we're going to start with the good. And my list is long because there's so much good. It's, it's, it's weird to even have a bad. Here, uh, good. First thing I wrote, ruthless pre-show. If you're sitting in a green seat, guess what? You will get wet. (laughs) This show, first off, they have a pre-show. How amazing is that? Most shows at a theme park do not have anything to entertain the guests as they're sitting down. This show has an entire built-out pre-show with routines. They really ruthlessly wet people to an almost debilitating degree. I mean, I think they push the envelope quite a bit, and I think they earn it with how good the show is, but I have to imagine some of the folks walking into the show that do end up getting squirted can't be that pleased. It's not a matter of it. It's a matter of when. I often think to myself, how is this allowed? It's crazy. I, f- I swear some little kids just get like point blank shot in the eye <laughs> by, <laughs> by a those, water gun. By one of those guns that like you use, like you you push the, the handle into the, to the barrel and it squirts out at like a high velocity. They're blasting kids in the face. I saw them the last time, the 8 p.m. show. They walked up to a guy with a, bo- a bucket full of water and just dumped it on his head. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes they'll do it slowly. They'll just like shake the thing and just keep talking, like staying in character, twisting that knife. And they have funny routines. One of my favorite being the kid dad water gag. They'll do this thing where they convince each of the sections. There's three sections of bleachers in this pre-show, and each section has like a choir leader, if you will, who's commanding them to do clapping that's synchronized in a very rhythmic fashion that is to the choir leader's liking. And if they don't perform accordingly. He'll wet them. He'll he'll hit them with the water gun. He'll throw buckets of water on them. Very funny. My section, you're embarrassing me right now. I guess you guys need to be waking up. <laughs> Anyways, that in turn then sets up a competition between each of the choir masters and the respective sections. My section can be louder than that section. One of the things that they'll do is they'll start booing the other sections. <laughs> and when they do that, the other section that got booed will send somebody over to wet our audience. And so this conceit that they set up is they're like, hey, he can't do that. Let's get him back. And they'll pick out a kid from the audience and be like, here, take this water gun. Come on, get him back, dude. Shoot him in the face. And they'll spray the guy who wet them. And then they'll be like, Nice. Here, do it again. And they'll they'll, re, they'll reload the gun and they'll hand the gun to someone bigger like the kid's dad. And they'll be like, hey, actually, why don't you come over here? Get him right in the face. Oh, I need a big guy. 
and then they'll take the gun, hand it to the dad. The dad will push the gun in, fire it off, and nothing comes out. One, two, three! <laughs> and then all of the performers then squirt the shit out of this dad. <laughs> I've always wondered what would happen if they picked somebody who was aware of the gag. I haven't seen it happen yet, which is kind of crazy. But if they picked me to do that, I'd be like, I'm sure you want me to spray him, but I won't. Then they'd probably just spray me, actually. Yeah. And I'd ruin the show for everybody else. Maybe I'd just you'll, fall on the sword. You'll never be asked to do it again. This show is only, you know, 16 minutes long, I believe. 16 minutes. They squeeze in all of the exposition of a feature film in 16 minutes and still have an enjoyable show that's easy to follow. That's a feat. And part of that is because there's an opening narration to this show that is tight. Like it is, I'll read it right now. And actually, maybe you could actually fade my voice into the actual narrator, but I'll do my best impression because this guy has a very deep voice. <clears throat> the future, the polar ice caps have melted and the continents are deep beneath the waves. The survivors live on these floating fortresses known as atolls in this place called Waterworld. Brave explorers voyage in search of a legend of dry land, the last remaining on the planet. But the deacon, the maniacal leader of a group of evil raiders called Smokers, is de determined to find dry land first. He's ensured that no explorer has ever returned until now. And then right after that, Mac, what do you got? A flare goes up. I saw this show without seeing the film ever, and I understood it completely as a child. Honestly, it took a while before I even realized there was a film. Don't worry, nobody's seen Wizard Waterworld. And what I also didn't know was the storyline for the stunt show takes place after it takes a place the events after of... the events of the film but you don't even realize that you just kind of buy that there's this shared history among the characters i can't believe how well it works that that opening perfectly sets up the entire show the next thing i wrote was seeing the guys you like die <laughs> and that's because like i said there's a pre-show that's pretty robust there's three dudes who are the atollers who are the good guys they're having fun they're joking around everyone loves them and then the show starts and they just become part of the show. And then these guys, one by one, just get killed in pretty brutal fashion. In fact, the first death is this guy. One of them is like up top and uh, he's trying to run away. And one of the smokers goes, hey, where do you think you're going? Hey, where do you think you're going? And they blast him with a shotgun. <laughs> and he falls 25 feet. And the entire audience always is just like, Jesus Christ. It always gets a physical reaction out of me. There's just something about seeing a limp body fall like 50 feet. The dedication is crazy. To that fall. Like I would always like I would I don't know how you train your brain to not flinch before hitting the water. And then you add in the fact that that was a guy you were laughing at pouring water on people 10 minutes earlier. The, the switch on that is absurd. It's fucking crazy. Anyways, moving on to my next favorite moment. But before we get into that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. All right, welcome back. Next thing I wrote was pure dirt. One of my favorite line readings of all time. This is a moment when Helen comes back and uh, the guy's like, Helen, good to see you're alive. Where you been? Helen, it's good to see you alive. Where have you been? I think she says something like, feast your eyes on this. Feast your eyes on this. And she tosses a, a sack at this guy and he opens it and he there's a, a beat and he just goes, it's pure dirt. It's pure dirt. And it's just a great way 
to sell the mythology of this show that there is dry land somewhere and you would be stoked if you saw a bag of dirt and it's understood by the audience. Just the storytelling here is crazy. It really sells the importance of, of this land and why the Deacon is after it. Great Gatling gun entrance. This guy's firing a, like a pretty legit looking Gatling gun that has fire coming out of it. And he has no respect for the amount of ammo he has. He must have plenty because oh, no, this thing is just swinging around. This guy's taking celebration shots, swinging it around in the air like he's Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Which instinctively always makes me feel like someone in the crowd's gonna get hit or something. No, I know, me too. I have the same thought. I remember when I was a kid, I would like duck and be like, dude, you're not getting me. Also, great entrance song to the Deacon. Second Deacon! And he comes in, great intro, everyone boos him. Brothers and sisters! Mariner entrance. Talk about making an entrance. This guy, the buildup to it, makes you understand, even if you've never seen the film, that this guy who's coming is a badass. First off, Helen goes, I'll never let you get to dry land, Deacon, and neither will the Mariner. And then there's this long pause, and you could see the deacon scared, and he's like, the mariner. And then he tells one of his guys, close the gates. The mariner. Chuck! You wanna shut that gate? And the gates close, and you understand immediately, oh, this mariner guy, he's a badass. Oh, fuck, they got the mariner? Oh, Damn dude. It. And then one of uh, the deacons, one of the smokers is like, jet ski approaching high speed. And one of the smokers goes, wait, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean he's gone? He's gone under the water. Under, under the water. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole audience is like, what? He's gone under the water. What does that mean? That whole section just flies because you're like so stoked to see this guy. Now, is that followed up with the introduction to like the main theme? Yes. Music. And we mentioned this in the fun facts. He comes from under the water. Shut up! Shut up! And I just remember as a kid that broke my mind. I didn't understand how that was even possible. Usually the Mariner is played by a guy who has long hair, very nice flow, and he kind of like does that thing where he like whips his head back and the water slides off his head. Beautiful. It's 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 very stereotypical, but it, it just totally works. But it's good stuff. Then we have the first Mariner fight. Really good hand-to-hand -hand combat. He's fighting like the brutish smoker guy. Loses at first, then wins. Classic trope stuff here. But it works. It works. He also does crazy things with a jet ski. There's one portion where he's being chased by some of the smokers. And he does this move where he fakes like he's going to do a turn. And then torpedoes into the water. It's called a submarine. <laughs> Here. I can see it and I've got one on. And he literally disappears underwater. And I'm always like, dude, how the fuck did you do that? That's incredible. Every time I see it, I always wonder, is this going to be the time that it's botched? I Well, also, they do a bunch of things on jet skis that are crazy. Not just the Mariner. The smokers, when they emerge, they emerge through the wall and are catapulted off. There's a jet ski that's towing a skier. Keep in mind, this is not a big arena. It's impressive. And they also managed to do this really funny gag where they will make a hard turn in the water and just really demolish 
the soak zone sections of these bleachers and they know precisely where the soak zones are so that they don't wet the people that are in the dry zones. It's wildly impressive. Incredible precision. And it's a miracle that I haven't seen any of them eat shit yet. No, exactly. There's a portion in the show where the Mariner uses a jet ski to punch somebody in the face. (laughs) And it's so realistic looking. He also uses the jet ski to jump over an explosion. Uh, And then the seaplane comes crashing for maybe the most spectacular portion of the show where this, as I mentioned earlier, 2,200-pound plane flies over a wall, breaks off part of it, lands right in front of the audience. And then explodes. The entire audience just gets wrecked by water. And even when you anticipate it, You're just not ready for it. You're not ready for it. You're not. No one is. We got the fire dive and escape. Amazing 50-foot firefall from the top of a tower while on fire. I'm taking you with me! I mean, just bonkers stuff for a repeatable show. And then this is actually one of my favorite parts of the show is the ending. After the Mariner and Helen escape via boat and the whole stadium explodes, it's a great moment. The audience applauds and then the cast comes back out. And this is a good moment for kids because then they realize it's just a show. They saw all the people who died are back out on stage and they're taking their bow. And then the uh, deacon will then take the mic and be like, all right, you may recognize some of our actors from their work in film and television. You might recognize some of the faces of our performers from their work in movies and television. And of course, the audience is just fucking eating out of this guy's palm. I mean, that's why you come to Hollywood, You come to Universal Studios Hollywood to see movie making and if you're like wait you're mean to tell me that this guy is in csi (laughs) i remember the last time i went the cast member that got the biggest oohs and ahs and it was like you may know uh jeff driscoll from westworld and then like westworld got like a lot of like ooh, westworld and of course these are guys that are actual stunt performers in these big scale productions and films That's cool. It's cool to know that they're using real stunt performers for this show that are just kind of like, yeah, I had some free time in between my uh, stint on The Mandalorians. I'm going to go over to Universal Studios Hollywood and ride a jet ski for a little bit. I love it. It's good stuff. Now let's move to the bad. Do you have any good to add? Or I can't imagine there's... The one I would like to add is, I think it's a perfect runtime. Like you said, it was tight. It's 16 minutes. Tight. A tight action pack 16 it feels shorter than and it's 16 what's crazy is it's 16 minutes and it's it has a three-act structure that's like a really well-produced short film except it's live with sound effects and score it's just packed there's not there's not a dead moment no in this performance which kind of leads me into the first bad <laughs> no careful is everything to me that happens before the performance starts I grow a little impatient. Look, I respect the pre-show. I love the whole, I I love how they mess with everyone in the soak zone. I love how they're all just getting drenched. Yeah, and I yeah. love that element. The crowd work though, I, I'm just not a big audience participation guy. I see. Uh, so I see. when they start doing the cheering match every time, I'm always thinking, oh, fuck, we have to sit through this again. Like every, I think every time I go and see this show, I just kind of want it to start. I think most I think most people out there would agree with me. That's a bold statement. That being said, it is much more interesting than most live performances at theme parks where you usually just sit there. There's here's the beauty of the pre-show. It gets everybody engaged, but more so it gets everyone seated 
and ready for the show so that by the time that opening narration starts, everybody is ready to receive information, which then helps set them up perfectly for the performance. I would argue that if there was no pre-show, a lot of people are not tuning in for that VO. I'm just impatient. You know, to that degree, though, I have a bad for the line. There is a pen of people, as we've mentioned before, outside the stadium, and when they let you in, it is mayhem. Like you, I could, I don't know how people aren't injured daily during this crunch because people are like pushing and shoving to get in because they want good seats. I really want them to mount a camera to like one of those trees nearby or yeah. a piece of the building and just make this trample compilation video. I'm sure it's crazy. I will say though, I've gotten pretty good at navigating through that crowd. I'm, I'm slick like a snake and I just slither through the cracks. It is impressive, I will admit. Uh. Uh, <laughs> I know I know I'm in good hands every time I'm uh, I'm waiting for Waterworld with Ryan Bergara here. Yeah, uh, we're gonna get a good seat. Yeah, and all and, the and, little tricks. And he, uh, he has- And I won't reveal them here. Here's another bad one. I mean, look, there's not many because this show is perfect. Uh, we got some tough dialogue here written for Helen. And you could put Meryl Streep out here and these would be some tough lines to get out. Like, I won't let you get away with this deacon and neither will the mariner. (laughs) (laughs) Or there's another part uh, where the mariner, he goes, are you okay? And she says, I am now. And then they kind of like make out. (laughs) (laughs) Just tough, tough stuff to put Helen through here. Most of her dialogue is comprised of exposition and screaming. That it, I gotta acknowledge it. It is what it is. Brutal sitting in the front row of the show, I have to say. Just from the getting wet perspective, you get blasted by a jet ski several times. You get water buckets tossed in your head. Clearly excessive. If this was basketball, it would be a flagrant foul level two every single time sitting in that front row. I feel bad for anybody who does it. Sometimes I'll look at their faces and wonder, do they know? And I don't think they do, usually, based on some of the reactions I see. Here's another thing about that, and this is a big bad one, I think. They barely announce these Soak Zone rules. <laughs> they, <laughs> they just like, kind of, like, the seats are painted green, They're painted right? green. They're assuming you know it. They may mention it once, like, hey, if you're in the green seats, you're going to get wet. And they do that pretty early in the pre-show, I would say. So people are walking in, like, if you're like, oh, uh, I see on the app that there's a showing of Waterworld at 6.30. It's 6.20 right now. I'm going to try and get over there. Some people slither in at that last moment, and they're sitting, and like, of course, the only seats that are available are the Soak Zone seats. And they're like, wow, look then, at this great seat that I just found. I wonder why it's open. And then when it finally registers, you look around, and it's like, what? You're going to take your family out of this show yeah. now? You're going you're gonna to take the chicken exit? You're just going to sit there and take it on the chin because you don't have any idea. I think there should be a pretty clear sign that says hey you're about to get annihilated by water (laughs) you may want to move upward i know they do cut off the audience at some point from entering there's a cutoff point i I don't know what time it is because i'm always there early locked and loaded uh but i will say that people arriving late should be told by the ushers up front like hey just so you know only soak zone seats left you're gonna get very very wet i hope you packed your trunks or you're planning to have very very bubbly socks the rest of this day because your your shoes they're going to be absolutely ruined. Really, that's all I have for bad. Do you have any more bad here? No. I mean, in the spirit of so many attractions coming and going, getting reskinned, et cetera, I'm okay with this keeping even at some of its cheesiest moments if it means it's authentic to what it is. We are now going to move into the finale of this uh, podcast, which is the world-class tests. But before we get into that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. 
All right, welcome back. Let's get into the world-class tests. This is a series of tests devised by Byron and I, a series of 10 questions, a rubric, if you will, that determines whether or not a ride is world-class. The way this works is if this ride or attraction passes 70% of the tests, it's automatically a world-class attraction. It automatically gets the world-class pass. If it's 60% or above, it's up for debate. And if it's below 60%, no go. It is not getting the world-class pass. So far in this episode, this show has received a lot of praise. From me. However, I'm curious to see how this translates. Uh, the first test that we have here is the average tourist test. Would the average tourist have a hard time getting on this attraction? Is there a long wait? Is there a complicated queue system? No, I don't think so. There's plenty of showtimes listed on the app. They say it all over Universal on their you know little tip boards. I think it's fairly easy to get a seat for this show as long as you arrive there even 15 minutes before. And you may not get the best seat, but you'll get a seat. And it's important to note um, that we're going strictly off the Universal Studios Hollywood rendition of this show. But for example, like geographically speaking, when going at the going through this test, Waterworld is located at the front of the park in the upper lot. It is. Very easy to notice. You could, in fact, hit this show, the 8 p.m. show, and then just leave because it's right next to the park exit. Perfectly yeah. situated. So I think this one's a clear pass. Yeah, large capacity. Like you said, what, 2,500? 2,500 people. 2,500 Several guests. showings per day. Yeah, sign me up. One for one. Let's go to the second test, the Leslie Stahl test. Will you be willing to wait 60 minutes for this attraction? Now, here's where things are going to get hairy because I would. <laughs> Well, let's think about it. I don't think it's even possible to wait 60 minutes for this attraction. I mean, I mean, like, let's just think theoretical, though. Would I wait 60 minutes for Theoretically, it? Theoretically, would you wait 60 minutes to watch Waterworld? Yeah, I, I, I think I would. Man, I, okay, if I'm really being honest, if I saw Waterworld with 60 minutes, I see the show all the time. I'd probably be like, I don't know if I need to do that. However, if there were people with me and they were wanted, they wanted to watch Waterworld, I'd wait the 60 minutes. But I can acknowledge. I, I imagine most people probably wouldn't. Would you wait 60 minutes? Once again, I mean, we're kind of, we're going to be looking at it through a different lens because we've seen it so many times. If we look at it through the lens of, is this worth a 60 minute wait? I say yes. It's an easy yes. I just, I, th I think there, it's just one of a kind. Okay, then we're going to pass that one. Makes me happy to see that. I'm doing this for you, Ryan. The third test, don't say that. You said you, you passed it because you knew it and you used your yeah, theme yeah, park yeah. expertise I, to pass it. It's a genuine pass. Don't, don't start with Calm that your shit. booty. Don't start. Calm I'll, your booty. I'll, I'll turn this pen that I'm holding into a suppository. I'll shove this right up your ass. Uh, so that leads us to what? The smartphone test? Yeah, that's the smartphone test, which is test number three. Uh, does the queue of this ride have enough to keep you off your phone? Uh, there really isn't a queue. There kind of is in that it's a pen that crushes you to death when they let it out. So I would say this is probably a fail because you almost die here almost every time. Everything that pre-exists the show, I considered a bad, although admirable. Okay, that's a, uh, that's a fail, I would say. So we're two for three. It feels really stupid writing with a pen in these gloves. I gotta say. Uh, test number four, the Tony Stark test. How innovative is this attraction? Does it push theme park tech forward? 1000% yes. I've never seen a plane fly at me. No, I have never seen into flames any without of wires. It's crazy, dude. I can't believe it exists. I always wonder how much does it cost to upkeep this show? And I couldn't find it, but I imagine it's quite a bit, which is probably why you don't see it at many other theme parks. I wish we would, because if, th if this spawned 
several other shows that were like this in perhaps Disneyland, for example. I'd love it. The closest thing we have to it is Fantasmic when Peter Pan's fighting on that big ship. Honestly, the scale is great, but the action, it don't touch Waterworld. Speaking of live action stunt shows, have you seen the uh, the Bourne one at Universal Studios uh, Florida? Uh, no, not the Bourne one. The Bourne one. I, I, I'd be. I'm very curious to get your take on that. We're we're do. going soon, you and I, so um, we could watch it then. I've seen it once. Uh, I, it's. I think it's definitely worth a second go. Um, yeah, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Well, let's pass this one because mm -hmm. it clearly has pushed things forward, even if nobody's going to take the lead. Uh, that's three for four, by the way. We're almost home. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the fifth test is the Hollywood test. Can this attraction be adapted for the silver screen? Does it have a comprehensible story? I mean, yeah, it does have a comprehensible story, and it was from the silver screen. In fact, it was developed while the movie wasn't even, you know, it wasn't even finished. They started work on it a year before the film was released. So I think by that virtue, it is a pass because it does have a comprehensible story. And if you saw this show the way I saw it as a child. I thought this existed without a movie. And I will be honest, there were moments when I thought this would be a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads me to follow up with this question. If Universal announced a reboot of the Waterworld film, how would you feel about I it? I would be fucking stoked because I actually heard that there is a possible TV series of Waterworld and it would be a great TV series. If they leaned into what made the show work, more so than the weird kind of mythos that it kind of played into for the the film. I think it got a little lost in in the sauce there, tangled in its own web. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I'm very excited for the TV series. And I think, and I can make the argument, I do not think the TV series would even be considered unless this show existed to this day. Like the fact that the show has had such a long run, almost 30 years, and is still very popular is the only reason I think that, that any kind of TV show would be made. Easy pass here. Uh, let's move on to test number six, the Simpson test. How likely is this to be replaced with something new? Oh man, that's hard to say. Cause honestly, is... if I'm going off of what makes sense logically, I would have thought this got replaced three years later, but they must've put such a financial capital investment in this that it was impossible to just kind of bail on it. And then it just ended up becoming a cult classic. If I were a betting man in 1995, when this first came out, I would have bet the house on this being replaced within 10 years. Oh, me too. There's no chance this is still here almost 30 years later. That's bananas. So by that metric. And let's, let's be honest. Universal is, you know, they're not afraid to replace popular attractions. They are not. They certainly are not. Um, uh, case in point, why we call this the Simpsons test. Because it replaced our beloved Back to the Future. I probably would have bet the house on Back to the Future never being replaced. Well, you know, that uh, would have been a good bet because you value film history. But instead, let's get Homer in there. Um, anyways, I don't think this will be replaced based on the track record. I could be wrong. History has shown this thing has legs. I can't imagine it's going to get replaced because there would have to be an action franchise that would spawn a similar caliber show that could be done in this kind of setting. And I just don't see it. I don't see it. As your boy quoted uh, earlier in the show, uh, it's withstood the test of time. It has. In and fact, they gave it an, an award that is made for people or attractions that have stood the test of time. So that being said, I, I think I give it a, I'm going to lean toward giving it a pass because it is 
obviously exceeded everyone's expectations. It is, it's still chugging along. I mean, they gave a green light for this to be made in three other new parks. It's the ultimate underdog story. With their openings. Um, they could have easily gone with another IP. They could have, and they didn't. I'm going to toss up a caveat here. I do predict that one of the four parks within the next decade is going to replace it with something else. I don't think it'll ever be Universal Studios Hollywood. And in that regards, I am willing to give this a pass. I'm trying um, to think of other franchises that I would even entertain a conversation in replacing this. John Wick, I could see them making a really cool John Wick action show. But the thing is, John Wick isn't water-based. So I don't, think, not, they, I don't think they would use that arena They have to change it. the to a more standard arena to keep the seating but lose the water. You don't you don't see a world where they expand uh, the wizarding world. Oh, uh, dude, I would be so bummed out if they replaced it with a Harry Potter stunt show. They'd have some goofy-ass wand effects. I don't think it would be a stump, stunt show. I think they would just use the land and expand it into, like, say, a Diagon Alley or something. Oh, God, I... I, 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 I... I, which would make the lower or which would make the upper lot essentially like all like Harry Potter or like half of it Harry Potter, which would be kind of weird. I'd be outside the chairman of Universal Theme Parks' house with a pitchfork and a torch if that ever happened. I just don't see them making a better version of this show with any other IP. I I I would entertain ideas, but I, I'm sure I'm sure they have. I'm sure they've every year been like, are we ever gonna replace this thing? And then everyone talks about it more. And then usually at the end, they're probably like, why would we replace this? This show rules. It's really good. Going on the history, it's a pass. It's a pass. So now we are at, uh, we are at five out of six going into test number seven, the signature moment test. Can the ride hold its own without its signature moment? Is it a one trick pony? Signature moment has to be the plane. When the right? plane flies through and I've watched a performance of this where the plane did not fly through and it was probably because of wind conditions. Yeah. As you mentioned previously, I still thoroughly enjoyed this no, show. You're not missing it if you don't know it's there. And that's the mark of a, a ride that is not a one trick pony or, or an attraction rather in this case. Um, easy pass for me here. We're now in debate land, which is where I want to be. That's six out of seven uh, passes. Only needs one more pass to get that world-class pass and be deemed a world-class attraction. And it's, got, and it's got three opportunities to do so. It does have three opportunities. To, uh, which may or may not come after a word from our sponsors. Did I just lead that one? Oh, you did. <laughs> We're back. Thank you. Uh, let's get into it. The last three world-class tests to determine if Waterworld is a world-class attraction and gets that very, very sought-after title of the world-class pass. Uh, let's go to test number eight. The premature detraculation test. Does this attraction finish too soon? No. You're getting 16 balls-to-the-wall minutes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of kick-assery. No, no, it's it's the perfect it's the perfect length. Perfectly paced for a modern audience that has to sit on uncomfortable bleachers. In incredible. I I challenge you to find somebody who leaves the show going, that was it? What, they're just going to launch a, a 2,200-pound plane right in front of my face and have it explode after a guy flies out of a wall with a jet ski attached to a skier? No. That's I, the voice of an idiot, by the way. <laughs> There's like at least three or four times through this show where you think the limit was reached. 
Yeah. And then they just blow through it. Clear pass. All right, moving on to test number nine, which by the way, we've already achieved world-class pass status. Great, that makes you the winner. It's already crossed the line. Uh, we're already at 70% and uh, has an opportunity to get a, a few extra credit points. That's correct. All right, let's go to uh, test number nine. Let's see how high this baby could climb. The exit hall test. Do you see people be physically excited getting off of this attraction? Do people have the bounce after this attraction? Yeah. Yeah, baby, they do. Come on now. Maybe not as much as you, but there's definitely oh, bounce. Oh, bogus. People are staying for an encore. They watch them read out the cast in their credits. Come on. That's crazy. Why? You don't think that's like a little out of obligation? To I, be fair, they are. Everyone is cheering. They're stoked. Yeah, I mean, the finale is spectacular. It's so goddamn good. It's, it, it truly does kick ass. It's a firefall um, and it makes the lagoon catch on fire and then the entire thing explodes as they escape the fire via boat. Come on. that What I just described is the finale to an epic film, not a stunt show that performs daily at a theme park. I will add that there are plenty of theme park shows that I deeply admire. I don't know if they create the level of bounce. No, no, no. That Waterworld does. No, no. Easy pass here. I think their only show that comes even close and it's not even really a fair one-to-one -one comparison is Fantasmic because that's also that also has live action elements. Also a banger. We'll probably cover that one at some point. Um, all right, let's move on to test number 10, the final test right now, we're sitting at a score of eight out of nine with the possibility for a 90% score, which would sit at one of the highest pass ratings we've ever had on this show, which really, really gets me going. Uh, test number 10, the fine wine test. Has this show aged well? Has your opinion of the attraction <laughs> appreciated or depreciated since your first experience? Or if it's a new ride, do you believe it will age well? It, correct me if I'm wrong. Did I mention a fun fact where this uh, attraction literally got an award for standing the test of time. Did that happen? I think this is a clear indication. Would that be a ninth? A ninth point? That would be nine for On 10. On the horizon? That's a pass. Nine for 10, a 90% rate. There was only one other show that had a 10 of 10. Uh, we won't say it because, you know, if you haven't seen it, you're going to have to go check that out. <laughs> go digging. Go digging. Um, first time I experienced Waterworld, set myself up for failure. Did not enjoy myself. That was more on me than the quality of the show. So apologies to Waterworld. Um, Apology accepted. But thanks to this psycho uh, sitting across from me, um, I was willing to give it a second chance, and I'm very glad I did. It, it continues to get better. Yes, and you know, I, I have to say I did resent when you called me a psycho, but then I caught a glimpse of myself in the uh, camera monitor, and I was reminded what what, uh, what I'm what? wearing. And then I realized he's right. I am a psycho. I'm, I'm dressed like an atoller, for, for God's sake. Uh, Look, you and me included, I consider myself a bit of a psycho when it comes to these subject matters. So. Yeah, but you're not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> um, anyways, spectacular, guys. That does it for this episode of For Your Amusement. Thank you for joining. Make sure you follow us on the socials at FYAPod on Twitter, Instagram, threads, our personal socials as well, at Ryan S. Bergara on Twitter and at Ryan Bergar on Instagram and Byron is at Byron A. Marin on both of those bad boys. Uh, and also make sure you subscribe to this podcast on YouTube if you're watching it on YouTube or if you're listening, subscribe to it on whatever audio service you're using. It helps us continue to make the show and we'd very much like to do so. Uh, I guess we'll see you all next time. Thank you guys again for listening. We'll keep this going for you if you let us and uh, hope to see you again on the next episode. He's gone under the water. Ha, 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 ha.